Good evening. This is Karen Nutt, Director of Child Development Services with the Braille Institute. We'd like to welcome you tonight to our Dr. Bill Telephone Series. The Dr. Bill Telephone Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand the pediatric eye condition. Tonight's topic is ONA, optic nerve hypoplasia. Dr. Bill will review the diagnosis of optic nerve hypoplasia and assist parents in understanding the diagnosis as well as providing strategies to assist your child with specific issues associated with ONA. I would now like to introduce Dr. Bill. Thank you very much, Karen. You you do a wonderful job with that, and that's really a mouthful to say optic nerve hypoplasia, right? That's not an easy one. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, I want to thank all of you for being on the call this evening. And as always, these are calls that are being recorded so that if you later want to listen to it again or maybe that there's a teacher or another person who is interested in this condition, they can go to the Braille Institute website and they can listen to this podcast for free. Or you could also go to the Airs LA website at www.airsla.org. So tonight's topic is a very, very important topic, and we're going to talk about optic nerve hypoplasia. Now, for some of you, you may say that you have never heard of this term before. And it is not a term that is very well known in the households. But it is one of the leading causes of vision impairment among children. And unfortunately, we don't know precisely what causes it. We don't have any surgery to cure it, and we don't have any medical treatments to cure this disease. So it is very, very important that we understand as much about this condition so that we could help the child to achieve maximally, not only as a child, but later on as an adult in life. I recall the very first time that I had a patient with optic nerve hypoplasia. I was just sort of shocked because there I was in the exam room with this mother and father and their little baby. And when they told me that their child had optic nerve hypoplasia, I said to myself, my gosh. I have never heard of this before. 
I have never examined a child with this before. What am I going to do? I don't even know how to answer any of their questions because I don't know. But what we do know about optic nerve hypoplasia is that it is becoming more and more known, especially by teachers but visually impaired. Now, the term optic nerve tells us a lot there. And with the optic nerve, it is a accumulation of literally millions of nerves that connect the eye to the brain. And what's even more fascinating about this is that each one of those hundred million nerves, it goes to a specific part of the brain. It just doesn't randomly go any place in the brain. But each one of those little nerves has to go to a specific part of the brain. And these nerves are going to different regions of the brain. Some are going way to the back of the brain. Others are going to the sides of the brain. Others are going to the top of the brain. And we have some that are going near what's called the brain stem, the area of your neck. And they're making connections there. So if you really think about how amazing vision is, think about that if you were going to design the human being and the human eye, and you have over 120 million nerves, and each one of these has to go to a specific place, oh my goodness. That is almost, almost impossible for that to happen. But somehow, in the development of a child, these nerves, they make their way back to the brain, and they make these connections. Now, when we think about these 120 million nerves... That is a tremendous number. I mean, it is way more than the number of wires in the street on the telephone wires and things like that. It is amazing the number of number of, of wires. But it's also important to remember that 20%, 20% of those nerves have nothing to do with vision. So it's very interesting. Why is it that the eye sends signals to the brain and 20% of them have nothing to do with vision? This shows us that vision is an integrative sense. It doesn't only just give us the ability to see things. 
but it actually performs other types of functions. So if a child has optic nerve hypoplasia, we're going to think about what are the different types of things that can go wrong when a child has optic nerve hypoplasia. Let's first think about those 20% of fibers that have nothing to do with vision. Those fibers actually go to the brain stem. And what that is going to do, it's going to send information to the hypothalamus and it's also going to send information to the pituitary gland. Now these particular structures right there in the brain stem, the neck sort of region of the brain, these are very, very important because they control how well a person will sleep. They control how well does a person become awakened and excited. It also controls a person's ability to regulate water for thirst. They regulate how much sugar should the butt blood be delivering. So in other words, a child who has the optic nerve hypoplasia, this might be the child who gets really, really tired very quickly if the child is trying to run or to play. It's not sending the proper amount of sugar. As the child is getting older, it's going to affect the development of growth hormones. So we may see that when a child's about five years old, we might really become concerned. Why is this? Why is my child so short? You know, he's not growing as much as I thought. And as the child becomes older, 12, 13 years of age, it affects the sex hormones development. So we can determine from looking at many, many other children who have optic nerve hypoplasia, we know, number one, you're going to need to make certain that your child is being referred to it endocrinologist, endo, E-N-D-O, endocrinologist, where they could measure all of these different things with the hormones and such. Now, some parents would just say, well, doctor, can't you just do a CAT scan or MRI or somehow take a look to see if those glands that develop the hormones, if they're maybe smaller than normal? Well, what's interesting about this condition is we could look at the 
pituitary. And it may look perfectly normal in size, but it is not producing enough hormone. So the way that you can determine if these hormones are being released properly is that they really need to be measured. We will also want to do different blood testing to see how is the glucose, the sugar in the blood, how is that being used? Is it being used properly to give the child the energy that he or she needs? We also want to look at the hormones to see are there enough hormones that are allowing your baby to sleep at night? Maybe your child isn't sleeping at night. So during the day when you're trying to play with the child, the child isn't really responding because she is just way too tired for that. So we want to make certain that we have a good endocrinologist who could measure everything about these hormones. And in the event that if there is a deficiency of the hormones, that's okay because the endocrinologist can prescribe the hormones for your child. That is what is really, really great. If we find that your child doesn't have enough, then we could go ahead and we can administer that. And just the hormones by itself really can make a child feel much, much, much better. You may notice that this child just looks much more alert now. Now, with all the years that I've been seeing children with low vision, the children with optic neuropyphoplasia, they are very different. They're very, very different kids. They usually look like they're daydreaming. Are you, are you looking at what I'm showing you? They're awake, but they just are not alert. They're not excited to do these games in the office. And we could bring out the games that have the video games, so the noises and the sirens, and and they just don't get that excited about it. Their energy level very often looks very low. They often have a hard time supporting their head. So they let their head sort of roll backwards and they don't have to hold on to their head in that manner. And with these kids, they also don't seem to show a lot of interest in looking at you. You might talk to that child and doesn't seem like they're interested in looking at you. 
So now we're going to talk about what are the visual problems that could go wrong with optic nerve hypoplasia. If the fibers that are missing send information to the center of the brain, the center occipital lobe of the brain, if those fibers are missing, then these kids will not have normal central vision. So you could think about it yourself. When you're looking at the TV or you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you use your central vision to see yourself. You use your central vision to look at that person on TV. You use your central vision to look at the sparkle of that diamond ring. And that's because the central vision gives us the ability to see details. It gives us the ability to see small details. It also gives us the ability to see colors. It gives us the ability to also identify things. So if there is something that you're trying to read and you're trying to identify those letters and those words, you look at it with your central vision. If you're going to sew a pocket that tore a little bit, you're going to use your central vision to look at all of these different colored threads to find the one that is exactly like that of your fabric. Because it is your central vision that can identify the colors. And when you're going to sew, and you're going to put that thread through the eyelet of the needle, you know, the little slit in the needle, you're going to use your central vision as you're trying to guide the thread through that little slit. And that is because your central vision directs your eye-hand coordination. If you just went to the Mercedes-Benz dealer and bought yourself a convertible, and they say, congratulations, just sign here on the line. You will take that pen, and you're going to look at that line with your central vision so that you sign it right on that line that they tell you to so you could drive that car home. So it is 
the central vision that does many, many things for us that's very, very important. You're going to read. When you play a lot of sports, when you're writing, all these things you use your central vision. Now, in optic neurohypoplasia, we find that many times a child will have a reduced amount of central optic nerve fibers. But the good thing, the good thing is that it is not usually the same in both eyes. We usually find that one eye has more central optic nerve fibers than the other eye. And as a result, one eye will see colors better. One eye will be able to read smaller print. One eye will be able to see the baseball further than the other eye. So that is a major, major advantage. And when we see a child who has one eye that is better at using the central vision than the other, we're then going to have you work with our staff. And our staff from Braille will perform activities where we're going to patch the better eye for part of the time that they are there. Let's say that we patch the eye for 10 minutes at a time, and we're going to force the weaker eye to try to look, to identify colors, to perform eye-hand coordination activities. And the good news of what we find is that in most all cases, the vision of the weaker eye, the central vision improves. So by using the eye, we are forcing connections within the brain, and this can improve the vision. Another thing that we do if a child has damage to the central optic nerve is that we work on developing the child's eye contact. Because so many kids with optic neuropipoplasia, they come across as sort of weird. Parents will say that. My baby's weird. She never looks at me. My son never looks at me. And people who come over... They all notice that he's not looking at me, and they think, you know, my child's really weird. What's wrong with your child? So we explain to them that when the central optic nerve fibers are not there, and the child doesn't see things very clearly straight ahead, these kids often will learn to use their side vision 
So instead of looking right at your eyes, they might be looking right at your neck. They might look at your forehead. They might look at your ear. And when they look off to the side that way, they actually could see it better. And that's because these kids have better peripheral vision than the central vision. Another thing that happens with kids with the reduced central vision is that their eyes also shake. They shake very quickly, and that is called nystagmus. Nystagmus. And that is something that we see in so many kids who have vision problems. But when we do these exercises with the Braille consultants and the child, we see that the nystagmus gets better. And as these kids get older, their central vision improves, the nystagmus improves, and then they start making eye contact. And it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. For those of you who do not have your own child yet, believe me, you wait. When you have your own child and your child actually looks at your eyes and makes eye contact, it is such an amazing feeling. You don't know how to explain it, but you know that you guys are communicating by making that type of eye contact. And when we can teach children how to make eye contact, it's going to change their social life. They're going to interact with people so much better. They're going to have many, many more friends that they could play with. And the adults will also react so, so differently when the child is making eye contact. So we're going to work on that ability to make the eye contact, work on using the central vision, and we then need to work on a lot of the eye-hand coordination. The eye-hand coordination is not normal for the children with reduced central vision. So what I mean by that? I mean that if a child sees something on the table, his or her bottle of milk, and he goes to reach for his bottle of milk. His hands may not even go anywhere near it. He may be eight inches off. Because there's not this normal connection between the center vision and the eyes together. So we're going to teach parents how to use high contrast tape and we could tape the baby bottle. We're going to use 
contrasting colored plates, and maybe we're going to dice up some fruit on there. And we want to teach the child how to look and reach and develop that automatic eye-hand coordination. And it does become automatic. It'll be like yours where you have a bucket of popcorn and you're watching Coming to America. You never have a problem of not reaching in the bucket. You are able to reach and to find the popcorn without any problem. And if you have a smaller box of candy, M&M's, you're able to put your fingers in that box to pull out an M&M without even having to look at it. It's because you have this type of eye-hand coordination that is developed. So during the first three years of life, there's many important visual skills that we can develop. And what's even more important about this is that your child is now going to have visual skills that are important when the child goes to preschool. Your child is going to learn how to draw and write and recognize shapes. These are all things that are very, very important. And if the child has developed these skills during the first three years of life, when your child goes to preschool, everybody's going to have a completely different attitude about your child. Your child is going to succeed in preschool. But if the child doesn't have any of these visual skills that we talked about before and goes to preschool, oh, preschool is going to be so very difficult. And I have seen it many times where a child did not receive vision stimulation services there's many reasons. Many times the child has not even been diagnosed with optic nerve hypoplasia. But if a child has low vision and did not receive this type of therapy early on, when the child goes to preschool, the child's not going to be able to do so many of these things. And at the end of the year, it may be where the teacher says, I don't think that your child is ready to move forward. He can't. can't go forward. He's not ready. And they may ask your child to repeat pre-K. And that creates a lot of problems for everybody. I know that if the teacher told me that my daughter or my son had to repeat pre-K, 
I would be very bothered. And what would come to my mind is that my child has some type of a learning disorder. My child is not smart. My child is never, never going to be going to college. I would probably have all of those thoughts just from the teacher telling me that my child can't move forward. So many times it is the attitude that parents develop when they hear news from the teachers. And we need to continue to teach teachers that these visual skills can be improved at any age. We have seen kids who have come here from Mexico. Dirt poor, the families. They had no idea that their child had a real severe vision problem. But they did notice that the eyes would shake, the nystagmus. We checked the eyes, and immediately we knew it was optic neuropipoplasia. How do we make that diagnosis? Do we have to go through all these special tests? No, it's very, very simple. In less than 30 seconds, we can make that diagnosis. We have an instrument, and we turn on the light of the instrument and look inside the eye. Immediately, we could see the optic nerve. And if it looks smaller than normal, it's optic nerve hypoplasia. If it's wider than normal, it may be optic nerve hypoplasia. But we could see it very, very quickly. So the good thing is that now, if a child does go to a public school, where there are teachers for the visually impaired, we can write a report and we can work with the teacher for the visually impaired and tell the teacher for the visually impaired what are the activities that must be performed to improve this child's vision. What are the glasses that this child will benefit from? What types of computer equipment would be very helpful? You know, there's so much equipment that helps people with low vision. As many of you parents may know or maybe you don't know, but I'm blind. I'm totally blind. But with the use of my iPhone, I have a talking computer, I can do everything that I need to do. And these are the things that your children will be able to do. And best of all, our staff who are on the call with us tonight from Braille 
they will work with the teachers for the visually impaired if they do not know how to perform some of these exercises and things. Now, what we also know about the kids with the optic nerve hypoplasia, in some cases, it might affect the optic nerve that gives us peripheral vision. So, for example, maybe this child cannot see things on the extreme left. So we will teach the teachers... Hey, this child can't see way on the left, so you need to position this child on the left side of the classroom so that the chalkboard or the dry erase board is on the child's right side where he is able to see. It may affect the optic nerve fibers that are affecting certain colors. And we could tell the teachers, never use red for this student because he cannot see it. And we will tell them, use larger print. If you could print things 16 point on your computer, he'll be able to see it and he doesn't need to use a magnifier. And we will teach the teachers also so that they know. Let him play basketball. He could see that ball very easily. Let him play handball. Let him play kickball. Let him play softball. We could teach them what size objects that the child is able to see. And believe me, believe me, when kids get involved in sports and they have low vision, but they then realize they could play sports, oh, it helps their confidence so much. They feel very proud. Let them take a musical instrument. Let them do anything that they want to. We might make some accommodations, but it's something that we definitely can do. And we also want to keep you informed that there are many different types of scholarships that are available. So these are scholarships that can help your child. If your child needs some low vision aids, computers, iPhone. There's many organizations that are offering scholarships. But also, the school districts have funding. And the regional centers have funding. So there's a lot of people out there who have funding who are looking to help your child. You just have to communicate with us and then we can get you in touch so you can make those types of applications. 
Now, one of the very common questions that parents will ask us that they will say, if my child has optic nerve hypoplasia, does that mean my child's eyes are going to get worse every year and she will become totally blind just like you, Dr. Bill? And the good news is no. No. I have not had a single patient with optic nerve hypoplasia where their vision got worse and they went totally blind. In most cases, as they get older and they use their vision more, their vision improves. Is there any type of medication that they could take that would actually cause the optic nerve to grow? And the answer is no. There are people who report that they have some miraculous herbs and vitamins, but do not take those. They could actually damage the brain, and that could cause some major, major problems. But there's so much research that is going on right now that I think that it won't be long where we will be having some different types of treatments to help to stimulate the growth of the optic nerve. Now, there are cases in which many children with optic nerve hypoplasia they may have other types of problems. They might have speech problems. Maybe they don't speak as clearly as you might expect. But that's not a problem. We refer them to the speech therapist and they get speech therapy. In some cases, the dentist could fit them with certain retainers for their mouth that it improves their ability to speak more clearly. We have some kids who have learning problems. Maybe when they read, they are a little bit slower with reading. That's okay. We have educational therapists who could teach the kids how to sound out words faster. We may have some kids who are slower in doing mathematics. And the educational therapists can help them. There may be even some kids that people might say, does your child have autism? He doesn't look at people. He doesn't talk very much. But it is possible that the child with optic nerve hypoplasia may have autism or he may not. But we have the psychologists who are able to make that diagnosis 
And if the child has autism, we have the therapies and the treatments that can help them out. So overall, I just want you to know that optic neuropyphoplasia is very, very common. We know what to do with children who have optic neuropyphoplasia. We know what equipment and what other professionals that they should see. And most importantly, these kids need to be examined at least twice every year so that we could give them the glasses and the visual aids that they need. So at this time, Karen, I want to open it up if any of the guests or even any of our staff from Braille, if anybody has any questions about optic nerve hypoplasia or any other kind of eye condition. Yes, please feel free to ask questions now. Dr. Bill, I work with a little guy who um, has ONH, but um, his ONH is pretty severe where um, he almost has no optic nerve, and so he's totally blind. Okay. Um, and he's pretty smart. He's <laughs> very bright. <laughs> Extremely bright. Um, and I know that his mom would have loved to have been on the call tonight, but um, do you have any um, any suggestions on how to work with him? I mean, we're trying to work with the brailler now, and um, he just oh, likes good. to pound on his keys right now. <laughs> so, um, but we're trying to yeah. teach him you know, different letters on the Brailler, and we're also working on um, the top of the page, the bottom of the page, you know, left, right of the page. Oh, good. Um, and, and he he's pretty, he's very smart, but a lot of times his attention span is very short. And I'm not sure if that's because he's three or, or four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it is very common that with optic neuropyphoplasia, these kids, they have short attention spans, too, because the, the hormones are not regulated properly. So the first thing that I would say is that this is a great sign that he is so bright. Number one, I do want him to have the complete uh, hormonal evaluation. And we could then determine if he needs any hormones, which may affect that attention. Uh, number two, it would be very helpful also to introduce him to the computer. So, for example, the talking computer, these are regular computers, but there's a program called JAWS. Right. And there's something new with JAWS now. JAWS used to be about $1,500, and they have changed it so that, number one, a child such as he can receive a demonstration disc for free. So that means that the computer will work for about 30 minutes, 
and then you have to restart it, and then it'll start talking again. So that's a good way for him to learn a little bit more about the alphabet that's on the keyboard. And we could even let him play certain games. So the computer screen, it might say, oh, fine, letter A, G, X. And so he's got to try to remember where is A and G and X. Okay. And then I think that it's also very helpful at this age uh, for optic neuropipal plays. I want him to do a lot of wooden puzzles. These are the larger puzzle pieces where I want him to feel the shape and to feel how to orient them. Uh, stores such as Lakeshore have a lot of those types right. of uh, puzzles. Right. But okay. I think that would be very helpful for him to begin to map, you know, the spatial orientation of some shapes and things like that. Okay. Thank you. So, yes. By the way, Karen, if the mom uh, would like to talk, you can let me know and we can set up a conference for her. Oh, I think she would love that. Okay. I'll let her know. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi. My name is Sophie, and I'm caregiver for Noah. I'm a little boy named Noah. And um, recently um, we've been noticing that he's doing um, certain things um, like maybe jumping, not really jumping, but a different way of jumping, but now he's putting his hand over his mouth. He's... And I heard you mention, like, autism, and we were wondering if that's what he, he had. So how can we, you know, get him tested? Where can we go and get him tested to see if, you know, that's the problem? Yes. Well, it is possible that he may be showing some autistic behaviors. Yeah. And one of the first things that I would do is if he's usually doing this behavior at home, Mm -hmm. uh, videotape him with your cell phone. Mm -hmm. Okay? And now where do you live? Because we would then want to find a a psychologist who is experienced in working with uh, optic neuropipoplasia and autism. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're living in Los Angeles. I'm in the the Wilshire district here. Does he belong to Children's Hospital already? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we will have to try to find a, a psychologist mm-hmm. at Children's Hospital. I think that we'll be able to find somebody there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Elizabeth, if it's Elizabeth is on, then she can contact us with the... Um, the information? Hey, Sophia. Yeah, I, I can message you okay. tomorrow with information. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, thanks, Elizabeth. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, don't be shy, you guys out there. <laughs> or is are, are all of you ready to get your dessert? Uh, you probably have a, a nice <laughs> oh, apple I have pie. Another, I have another one. Yes, I have another one. Um, let me start, like, putting our things under his stomach. 
like a ball or um, a water, you know, water bottle. And he will um, lay on it and just keep still. Okay. Yeah, that may be another type of behavior. Yeah. So we want to uh, write that down and also mm-hmm. share that with a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Doctor Bill, it's Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. I don't have I don't have a question, but I just wanted to say like how nicely you described what ONH was. I wasn't aware that hormones also played a factor um with this this uh eye diagnosis. So yes, thank you for be... bringing that knowledge to us. Oh, you're welcome. But it could be very serious. And uh, when when a child or an adult doesn't have the proper hormone balance, it could really affect attention, and that makes it very difficult to work with them. Yeah, thank you. Um, it'll be something, you know, to keep in mind for future um, children that we have with ONH. Yes. Yeah, we seem to have... Um, a lot of kiddos with ONH. You know, I think we have most are CVI, and then we have um, ONH a lot. So oh. this was really helpful information. I appreciate it. Okay, great. Okay, well, if anybody has any questions that may come up later, uh, you could forward them to myself through Karen. And we will definitely answer them. And also, you can um, contact your child development consultant. Um, my email is k m n u t t at brailleinstitute dot org. And mine is Doctor Bill Foundation at gmail.com. So, Mr. Burton, thank you very, very much for recording. And for all of you staff at Braille, thank you very much for attending. And parents, thank you for calling. And we'll talk to you next time.